What's up, kinfolk? Welcome to the number one ranked show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching wherever it is that you are watching, whether it be YouTube, the Fox Sports app, Facebook, Twitter, or listening, wherever it is you get your favorite podcast. Today on the show, got a couple of segments I want to go through. The first one is called Your Team Fix This. She's basically about off-season moves, both on the field and off the field, that I really love. And another feature where I predict who's going to get drafted in the first round of April 2022 NFL Draft. As we are in 2022, and I still have a tendency to say 2022 as if I am not happy to be here. And that's just not true. I also want to talk a little bit about what those picks are mean for each one of those teams and it can give you a little bit of a comp right some of those comps i'm sure you're going to be like yo rj really you're putting this all on him no i'm saying this is the ceiling this is the upside this is what you would be drafting and then let's talk a little bit about what first round draft picks are supposed to represent in the nfl as we're in the midst of the nfl playoffs but first your team fixed this okay offseason moves that i really like either in the portal in recruiting or on the staff. The first one is University of Pittsburgh. Pat Narduzzi's Pittsburgh. They have a need at quarterback with Kenny Pickett going into the NFL draft. We'll talk a little bit about Kenny Pickett a little later on in the show. But Kenny Pickett emerged after two pretty doggone productive years at Pitt as a first-round quarterback talent. Okay, This year, I mean, he broke Dan Marino's single-season record for TDs in a season, passing TDs in a season, with 42, and it didn't look like they had the answer in the bowl game against Michigan State, okay? But they go to the portal, and they get out Keaton Slovis. He, of late, formerly at USC. The reason I like this is Keaton Slovis was not just a starter at USC before, you know, losing the job to Jackson Dart and going into the portal and then the coaching change. But this is the guy that put JT Daniels on the bench, right? Now, JT Daniels blew out his ACL, started the season as a starter, and then Graham Harrell was like, Keaton Slovis, I need you to come up, right? Right, right, really, around the time that Matt Fink was still a name that USC fans had to know. And performed so well that in the next offseason, JT Daniels went into the transfer portal, came out at Georgia, didn't start at Georgia. Talk about that in a little bit as it seems like that dude might be on the move yet again to his third team, a la Tate Martell. By the way, thing about Tate Martell, we'll talk about it here in a little bit later. But I think that Slovis has the goods to continue the kind of offensive onslaught that we saw from Pitt. Problem with that is you don't have Jordan Addison. And that's what I'm really terrified for Penny, uh, Kenny Pickett about in the NFL is Who's going to be your Jordan Addison? Who's going to be your Bolitnikoff Award winner? Who's going to be the dude that's catching everything? And you don't have Mark Whipple, who is the offense coordinator. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So there are some things to overcome for Keaton Slovis, but I do like the move, and I think you have a guy that can continue to put you in a position to play in New Year's Six Bowl games. All right, next team we need to talk about is the USC Trojans. All right, this is a thing that I like, if for no other reason than the USC Trojans have become Oklahoma West. That's not even a joke. Like, all you got to do is look at the staff. All you got to do is look at the roster. Okay, so Lincoln Riley decides the day after losing the in-state rivalry game in Oklahoma that he no longer wants to be at Oklahoma. And he signed the contract 
to be the next head coach at USC. I've talked about it. I've written about it. I will continue to talk about it and write about it. But from the USC standpoint, this is a baller move. This is a G move, right? You went and got one of the three to five best coaches in the sport today to lead your football program. And then he brought with him the defense coordinator at Oklahoma, the wide receiver coach at Oklahoma, the linebacker coach at Oklahoma, the cornerback coach at Oklahoma, and a guy that he had coached with at Oklahoma, Zach Hansen, who was the offensive line coach at Tulsa before becoming the tight ends coach at USC. Half of the staff at USC had worked or has worked for Lincoln Riley, right? Just to so let you know, it ain't the school that anybody's loyal to. It's the dude that is head coach that they're loyal to. And then Mario Williams comes out of the transfer portal to USC, which means you're going to start with a wide receiving core that has Taj Washington, Kyle Ford, Gary Bryant Jr., and Mario Williams in it, to which the loudest joke in the room is, okay, but who's blocking for them? Look, first of all, most of y'all can't even tell me three of the five starters on last year's USC offensive line. So get out of here, all right? If, if you're a football nerd, I will hear this from you. But since you're not a football nerd, I'm not going to hear you dog an offensive line you can't even name, all right? Like, that's, that's really how I get to the bottom of whether or not you know what you're talking about. Can you tell me who the five guys that are supposed to be the projected starters are for your team? If you can, I will choose to listen to you dog an offensive line. Until then... Chill out, man. It's January. USC's talented. But that's the thing. They've always been talented. And it looks like they're going to get even more talented. But, you know, being the best team in Los Angeles ain't been that hard here of late. Even with the Rams being kind of good. It ain't that big a deal. And especially in college football where the national championship conversation begins and ends with the thing in the Southeast. And that was the thing that Lincoln Riley was supposed to be coaching in the year after next, and he's running from. So he's got some stuff to prove here to say nothing of. Kyle Whittingham and Utah are still there. And as much as everybody keeps every single year trying to dog out Utah and talk about Utah ain't going to be there, Utah shows up in the Pac-12 championship, man, and then wins it. Runs Mario Cristobal to Miami is the way that you know Utah fans would like to see it. But quiet as it's kept, they're going to be good. Now, if only USC had a QB. <laughs> Look, it's either going to be the worst kept secret in the world if, when, how Caleb Williams decides to transfer to USC, or he's going to shock us all and either stay at Oklahoma or go somewhere else. That said, Jackson Dart went into the transfer portal a week ago and has since taken visits to Oklahoma and Ole Miss, right? So you're stuck right now with Miller Moss. I don't think that's who Lincoln Riley's going to have as his week one starter come September, but we'll see. All right, at Ohio State, a thing that you did that I like, you overhauled the defensive staff. Like, Ryan Day is not playing with y'all. He's not playing with anybody. If it ain't working, he's going to change it up. And I love that. In addition to changing up the offensive line coach because, I mean, not for nothing, but Justin Fry is inheriting what I think is a pretty doggone talented offensive line room. But you expected to have a better offensive line performance when you were starting basically four tackles and a center in 2021. And C.J. Stroud benefited from that, especially later in the year, but it wasn't there when you needed it against Michigan. 
right? And that's the game that Ohio State fans are going to remember forever is the loss to Michigan and, quite frankly, the one that Michigan's going to remember forever because they hadn't won that game in, like, 10 years. Okay, but for those that were paying attention to Buckeye football, it was never the offensive line or the offense that anybody was ever worried about. It was the defense. In particular, the defensive secondary and the linebacking court, right? But that defensive line wasn't up to the standard that we've used to, we're used to seeing from Larry Johnson Sr. and what they have set, right? It just hasn't. We thought Zach Harrison was going to come out and into the NFL draft this season. He's returning, which tells you a bunch, but they'll be loaded. He adds Jim Knowles, right? He has former secondary coach Cincinnati, right? Basically trading him with Kerry Cones. By the way, Kerry Cones being in Cincinnati, that's going to be awesome. That's going to be so much fun, Plus, especially with a dude that's got like 20 years coaching in the state, in the high school football coach, and everybody wants to rally around. It just didn't go well when he was defensive coordinator last year. They turned over the play calling duties to Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes takes the job at Memphis. And then Jim Knowles, who finally got Oklahoma State to play the kind of defense that he thought they could in his 4-2-5, is now going to be that dude at Ohio State. And if he can get it flipped and turned around quick, fast, and in a hurry, there's no reason to believe Ohio State can't win the Big Ten and then be in the college football playoff next year. That is the bet. But I love that Ryan Day went ahead and made that move. I also like the personnel they return. Like Denzel Burke is a dude. I think he's going to be great. I also love, you know, the best parts of their football team were freshmen and sophomores. Like, that's absurd. The most talented players on a top five team were freshmen and sophomores. C.J. Stroud, Travion Henderson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison Jr., Julian Fleming, Jack Sawyer, J.T. Tuimolau, Denzel Burke. We keep going here, right? The sky is limitless, right? Going in the stratosphere, headed toward the moon at Ohio State if they can get this defense sound. All right. A thing Alabama did that I absolutely like. They fixed this. Well, they recruit well. You know, 2021 set the record at the time for the highest ranked recruiting class of all time. Texas A&M has since gone and broken that this year. Wow. Talk about name, image, and likeness getting you right. But the other part about this Boss up. Okay? Bet on Saiyan Saban. Expect that man to be on his Vegeta once again after losing the national championship game, especially in the way that they lost it, where they got their butts kicked in the fourth quarter primarily. Nah, Vegeta is about to be on it. And you know Nick Saban got a lot of Vegeta tendencies. You know? Like, they both short. They both ruthless. You know, my favorite Vegeta moment is Vegeta got a phone call talking about, hey, look, man, your whole planet, it's been annihilated. You're the only living person from that planet left. And he's like, cool, thanks for the call. Kept it moving. Yo, all right, when you got that sort of singular focus on going to beat the hell out of Kakarot, that's what it's going to be. And I think that's what Nick Saban's going to be on his revenge tour. Like he was following the 2019 season where they went undefeated in 2020. I Just follow what the Saiyan has to say. Okay. Michigan. Here's the thing that I like that you are doing. You're going to let J.J. cook. Okay? You're going to let J.J. McCarthy be your guy. That is my hope and my prayer, right? Because when J.J. McCarthy was on the field for Michigan, there's a bit more juice to your offense. I understand that Jim Harbaugh liked to run the football, and he got two tailbacks back there that wore emblem and affirmed, and he was going to run them. Okay? I get that. Had the Joe Moore Award winning offensive line. But 
I often thought during the Georgia game, you could have really used a lot of J.J. McCarthy just to try to get that defense going side to side in ways that are a little bit more unpredictable and make them cover more of the football field and, quite frankly, use another man to cover your quarterback because Cade McNamara just doesn't add that to your game. Plus, J.J. McCarthy's coming out of IMG where he was mostly running the offense, and you could see he wanted every opportunity that he was given, and when he got a chance to throw the ball down the field, it looked pretty. It looked gorgeous. Let J.J. McCarthy do that thing. Now, there's also the big elephant in the room, right, about Jim Harbaugh. Will he be the head coach at Michigan next year? He's getting plus 250 odds to be the Raiders head coach next year. It feels like it could fit. Feels like it might be something he might enjoy doing. But for your sake and mine, I hope he stays in Michigan. I would like to see Jim Harbaugh and Ryan Day develop into the kind of thing that was Woody and Bo. It'd be fun, right? When Michigan and Ohio State are good, we all have a good time. Moving on to Oregon. Here's the thing that you did, you fixed, that I like. You go get the next rising star head coach in the sport in Dan Lanning. You also added Bo Nix, which I put a question mark next to in my notes because the knock on last year's Oregon offense all had to do with Anthony Brown. When they ran the ball, they were brilliant. They were golden. C.J. Verdell could tell you all about beating up on Ohio State. When he went down, Travis Dye raised up, had 211 carries for 1,271 yards. He goes in the transfer portal. We'll see where he ends up. Oklahoma, you have a need. Maybe give him a phone call, but that might not be where he ends up. All right. Other part about this that I like is Bo Nix is not Anthony Brown, even as he feels like Anthony Brown 2.0 because he's much more likely to be capable as a runner but not necessarily capable as a passer. That said, he's got a W on Oregon, and so does the offensive coordinator at Kenny Dillashaw, or Dillingham, excuse me, not Dillashaw. I think those two working together is going to pay dividends. They know each other. They've been around each other. They understand what they're chasing, which is the Pac-12 championship to start. And Dan Lennon is coming in with all of this really good energy off of a national championship win as a defensive coordinator. If they can play defense, they can run the football, and they can occasionally throw for touchdowns, they ought to be good. But I think it's going to look a lot like it did last year to start. And whether or not Ducks fans are on board with that, that could lead you to 10 games. You could be 5-7. and seven. We don't know. It's first-year head coach. But I do like it, right? All right, moving on. Nebraska. You fixed a bunch, okay? I really like Nebraska. Nebraska added Casey Thompson, quarterback, Cuba Purdy, quarterback, Dakota's Crawford, with Dakota's name, and a wide receiver, offensive coordinator Mark Whipple, who's coming from Pitt. I mentioned him earlier with, uh, in relation to Kenny Pickett. And wide receiver coach Mickey Joseph, who rose to renown on nationally, right, after the 2019 season when his wide receiver core featured Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall, and Justin Jefferson, okay? He brings that kind of recruiting prowess and that sort of coaching to Nebraska. Scott Frost and Nebraska going to be looking to put up 50. Like, on paper, you get the best out of Casey Thompson and what I expect to be a bridge year for perhaps a Chuba Purdy. You could be on to something. And last year, they were in every game they played. Like, it was a brutal year for Nebraska fans because they're looking at 3-8 and eight when they could have just as easily been 8-3, and three, right? It's, it was that sort of season for them. But Frost has taken no chances. He brought in two 
blue chip quarterbacks. It's going to have a quarterback derby. He's going to add more offensive firepower and weapons to this. And I am applauding Nebraska for continuing to put some faith and belief into Scott Frost and what he is trying to do at Lincoln. And also saying, hey, look, it's taking a little bit longer than we would like it to. But we're much farther along with this guy than we probably would be if we started up all over again. Let's recognize who we are. Let's recognize that we got a coach that's trying to build. Let's recognize we got a coach that is also invested in what we're doing. I think Casey Thompson is due, right? I thought it was going well, really well at times for him last year at Texas. I also understand when you were transferred in, yeah, you, you decide to chunk up the deuce. I'm expecting Casey Thompson to be a talisman for that team. We'll see how that goes. All right. Arkansas. You did something else I like. You fixed this by playing Portal Combat Annihilation. Okay? Some of y'all saw that awful movie. There's never been a really good Mortal Kombat movie. The first Mortal Kombat movie is pretty great. But it's only great if you like campy Mortal Kombat stuff and if you are a Mortal Kombat fan like myself. But Arkansas has the ability to be Fire Liu Kang here. Okay? For those of y'all that play Mortal Kombat 11, you understand with the white tattoos and whatnot, talking about Chronica, get these hands because I'm an actual living god now. It could be like that at Arkansas. It could be like that, especially when you look at what they have. So... According to reports, Action Network, and others, Kendall Burrell has been offered the offensive coordinator job at Miami. Let's say for the sake of this segment that he doesn't take that job and he stays at Arkansas. So you have both your coordinators in place. You lose Traylon Burks, but you added Jaden Hazelwood, who I think can, is going to have a huge year at Arkansas. You also added LSU's Dwight McLaughlin and Alabama's Drew Sanders. Drew Sanders has the potential to be the kind of disruptive force that Will Anderson was last year and that or Dallas Turner was, quite frankly, last year. He just wasn't good enough to start. Like, that's Alabama, as far as I'm concerned. I'm excited to see what he does in Barry Odom's defense, especially knowing that they got Jalen Catalong, who's going to be back there as a safety, organizing everything that they're doing. I love Sam Pittman. You know this. I like what they've been building to. They had their best season in a decade last year. I was early in on Arkansas, and then Coach Pittman has continued to make me look good for believing in him and believing in what they're building at Fayetteville. Arkansas and Nebraska, for me, make the sport a lot more fun when they're good. Probably one of the reasons why I'm so high on them in 2022. But yeah, man, like, he wasn't actually joking about any of this when he was going, we're going to save a few spots for transfers. Because that's just where we are. And then, being able to pay your coordinators to stay. You'll remember, Barry Odom was a guy that was up for the Texas job before Steve Sarkeesian took it. Uh, and he was also a guy that was up for being his defense coordinator, right? Before Pete Kukowski did it. I'm just saying, when you got that sort of continuity, and you got that sort of talent, you got K.J. Jefferson returning, I expect Arkansas to be about its business, right, in 2022. And finally, Texas. The slogan for Texas is, don't stop believing. It's what I'm what I'm saying is it's a journey. You get it? Don't stop believing. Journey. Laugh at my cheesy joke. Also, you know, they're good. Or at least it's the thing about Texas. Kind of like USC on paper. They're really good. Like it's, it's I'm excited about what they could be. Quinn Ewers is the quarterback. B. John Robinson at tailback, Xavier Worthy at wide receiver, Jalil Billingsley 
at tight end. On, like, if you gave me that on NCAA, I don't give a damn who the offensive line is. I'm going to cook you. I'm going to cook you. I, I am going to cook you like my grandmommy's gumbo. And grandma would put chicken feet in the gumbo. You know what I'm saying? All right? I'm about to clear your nostrils out with the kind of hot sauce that I'm going to be putting on this football because Quinn Ewers flipping it to Bijan, you don't want them problems. Jaleel Billingsley is such a dynamic athlete at tight end that Nick Saban had him returning kicks in the college football playoff the year they won the national championship, 2020. That's a tight end who was returning kicks. That was the reason I think Jamison Williams was brought in to begin with. I don't think they thought he would blossom into their number one and one of the best wide receivers in college football. I thought they saw a dude with legitimate 4-2 speed that could allow them to put Jaleel Billingsley in less special teams positions where he has to return kicks, right? Now, Cam Latou ends up being a better tight end prospect and a more polished tight end than Jaleel Billingsley, who looked kind of out of sorts in the National Championship game, but also has all the talent in the world. If you can unlock him, Steve Sarkeesian, like you might have been able to unlock him in 2020 or even 2021 if you kept the job, the sky's the limit for you too. Like I'm really excited about that offense in particular and what they're going to do. Uh, I, I don't care about the Oklahoma fandom part of this because I love watching good football and I love watching talented football players play even when they're cooking my team, right? Like, that's that's just how I'm wired. I'm here for the football. But that's 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 stout. Like, that's stout. And if you're a Texas fan, be excited. Like, seriously, be excited and expect to lead the Big 12 with a, with a Big 12 championship. You know, shut up the haters, like myself, as you might say, right? Like, y'all ain't won one. Lord, it's been a minute. Maybe you want to change all that, and with this sort of core on your offense, you've got the ability to put up 50. So go put up 50. Be about your business, too. All right. Now, I want to do a segment where I predict first-round draft picks. Rules are these. I'm going to give you 32 names, okay? Doesn't matter where those players get drafted. So who I say goes at one, or who I list number one here might go at number 32. I don't know. But if they get drafted in the first round, that's a check mark for your boy. Okay? We'll revisit this after the NFL draft is done. We'll learn more, I'm sure, about what these guys are and who they are and what the teams think about them more importantly. But I also think that we need to start with this when we talk about the first round in the NFL draft. If you are being drafted in the first round, you are either expected to be a long-term replacement for somebody else that's a little long in the tooth or just ain't got the kind of tools that you want, or you are expected to make the two deep on either one of those rosters. Like One of the things that I have to remind people is there are only 53 men on an NFL roster. Now, do that math. That's 44 players on two deeps, okay? That means you got nine dudes, some of whom are specialists left. So if you're a first-round draft pick, you're supposed to be on that two deep and then challenge for starting time, right? And that's where the quarterback thing gets a little weird because quarterbacks are weird. But I want to set the ceiling kind of low and set the floor 
kind of low as well when we're talking about first-round picks because we expect these guys to come out and be amazing, and sometimes they just aren't. You know, sometimes it's as if they haven't played professional football before, and we're shocked by this. I think sometimes we just go a little too hard because the nature of the NFL draft is us building the kids up to a level that is they ought to be AP all pros, and that's just not going to be what it is. Like one of the conversations I really hated about this season in particular was the number of people that tried to tell me with a straight face that Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, the like, were not any good because they play on booty teams, and it was their first year in the NFL. It might still be true, but you got to give them time. And in, at least in the case of Justin Fields, he didn't even get to start every game, and he wasn't the guy from the jump. Everywhere that Justin Fields has been, he's won football games. You just got to give him the reins and let him do what he does. Ryan Day would be the first person to tell you that. So I'm going to look at the Chicago Bears and say, you're changing up your head coach, you're changing up your general manager, go fix that. Keep that in mind as we're talking about first-round picks and who your team decides to draft in the first round. Okay. Number one on the list, going 1-32 to 32 because, you know, order doesn't really matter here. Aiden Hutchinson, the Michigan man in Detroit. I feel like it's a slam dunk for Detroit because the man is from the area. He grew up a Michigan fan. His father played at Michigan. He had an outstanding career at Michigan that ended on a relatively awesome high note and has since vaulted him in the conversation for being the number one overall pick. We didn't expect that to be the case to start a season. So I like that, and I think he's going to be a first-round draft pick because Detroit actually does need the help on the defensive line. Two on the list, Kayvon Thibodeau. I'm comparing Kayvon Thibodeau to Nick Bosa Part 2. Okay, I think that's how good he can be. He's that fast off the edge. He's that physical off the edge. And you're going to have to double-team him Unless he's out there in a wide nine where there's not much you can do about it. If you put a tight end on him, he's going to eat him up, right? Let's not overthink this. Kayvon is that dude. You want that dude on your team. Number three, Nicobe Dean. Linebacker, Georgia, their captain, their best player. So first, you're the best player on a national championship team and you're a linebacker. That's pretty good. I think the comp here is Roquan Smith, and that's not just because of Georgia colors, but because he moves like a safety too. And the my favorite thing that I've heard said about Nicobe Dean is that man is going to make you right. No matter what you ask him to do, you might coach him poorly. He's going to make you right because hash mark to hash mark, sideline to sideline, he can fly. He's a great blitzer. He's great in coverage and he commands attention, right? This is a guy that you want leading your defense. I really love him as a football player, and I think he's going to be outstanding in the league. Just give him some time. Okay, number four on the list. Evan Neal, Alabama. That man is six foot seven, 350 pounds, and he hit the splits from a standing leap on some blue mats about six feet in the air. Jumped up, split his legs, landed on the mats, and did not, you know, throw a hip. Throw his growing, you know, like like my growing would have been way over there somewhere had I tried to do that. This dude not only was there, but he was there like Jean Claude Van Damme and Bloodsport, just just holding it, just just zen with it, you know, looking like he was getting ready to uh, summon Jutsu. Some of y'all don't know that I watched the Naruto too. 
Evan Neal's going to be that guy, right? You want him at offensive tackle. Okay, number five on this list. Derek Steenley Jr. Yeah, Derek Steenley Jr. I'm going to say Pat Peterson Part 2. Now, Steenley didn't have the kind of season that I expected him to have in his draft eligible year, but the tools are still there. Comes back from this injury, he'll be okay. He can fly. He can play both ways if that's what you want him to do. He can return punts for you, return kicks for you. And he's a great cover corner. Like, you want him as your shutdown guy. You want to take away the other team's best wide receiver? He's the guy to help you do that. Number six on this list, Tyler Lindenbaum coming out of Iowa. Now, Lindenbaum came into the season as the number one interior lineman available in the 22 draft, and he has exited the season with the same manner. I think it's Creed Humphrey meets Quentin Nelson. Meaning, if you want to move him to guard, cool, he'll destroy people. But you probably want him at center because he's that smart and that's his natural position. I think he's going to be able to help somebody get right in a hurry with their offensive line. It's just a matter of who will use a first-round pick, let alone a top-10 pick, on a center. It just doesn't happen. But I think it could with him. Okay, number seven here, Jamison Williams. I'm comparing Jamison Williams to Joey Galloway because Joey Galloway came out of Ohio State and ran a 4.1840 yard dash. Let me say that again. He came out and ran a 4.1840 yard dash and Jamison Williams is that fast and in returning kicks you won't catch him and if you get your hands on him he's going to spin out of it. He's going to take it back to the house. He finished the season, 79 catches, nearly 1,600 yards, taking the top off the defense. Like, the other comp here for me is Randy Moss, who was just as fast. And that's what you used him to do. You used him to stretch the safeties, right? If they can't run with him, that's six. And Jamison Williams could do that on every play when he was healthy. Now it's about whether or not you're going to be able to trust his rehab. Because blowing out an ACL does not guarantee that you're going to come back with your speed, though that is what we are all betting on. Because I would love to see a guy with blazing speed and those sorts of hands and his wiggle in the NFL. I think he could be amazing, outstanding. All right, number eight on the list, Charles Cross coming out of Mississippi State. I think this is this year's Rashawn Slater. Like, last year... During the college football playoff national championship, I jump on at halftime. I talk with Joel Clad about his top 10 NFL draft selections. Rashawn Slater's on the list. He had sat out the season uh, for COVID coming out of Northwestern. And he thought that I was going to lay into him for having Rashawn Slater on the list. And I'm like, no, I, I, didn't, I thought he projected a guard, but he anchored really well. He was a mauler and he was big and fast. Like, outside of Tristan Wirfs, one of the most ready-made physical athletes that I have seen coming out of the Big Ten Conference in a long time, and that includes Ohio State uh, offensive linemen, and he turned into a second-team All-Pro. Like, number one, shout-out to Joel, who saw it. And then, number two, Charles Cross has the same sort of dimensions, right? And I think you could ask him to do those same things. We'll see what the Houston Texans want to do. They, they got a head coach at vacancy. They got to short out, but... You need a Charles Cross on your team. Everybody does. And if that guy ends up being Rashawn Slater, part two, everybody wins. Number nine, Sam Howell, who I'm calling Baker Mayfield light 
you know, he's got this boxy frame. He's not necessarily that lame, but he's got a cannon for an arm. His feet move in concert with his arm. He sees the field very well. He throws the ball in rhythm. Of the quarterbacks available, I think he's the most ready-made for the NFL presently. Uh, and since we're not so hung up on height anymore, number one, because Kyler Murray is still Kyler Murray, and number two, because Desmond Ritter six foot four and throwing balls that people bat down. If you need a quarterback, he's the first one I got to take off the board. Now, the Baker Mayfield label is getting a little, shall we say, brown because it just didn't go well in 2021, right? And Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson have turned out to be the jewels in that class, while Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, yikes. But I'm betting that Sam Howell has a really great NFL career. Okay, number 10 on this list, Kyle Hamilton. Coming out of Notre Dame, Kyle Hamilton is a doggone pterodactyl who is your single high safety. He can cover the entire field by himself. If you watch the Buffalo Bills play the New England Patriots in the wildcard weekend, you saw Micah Hyde. You saw how he was able to cover the entire field and make plays on the ball that he had no business making plays on, let alone snatching off of Nelson Aguilar's shoulder. That is who Kyle Hamilton is. He is a pterodactyl playing center field, which means that you can run man coverage and you can blitz whenever you want because that guy allows you that ability with the other safety in the box, right? I'm excited to see what Kyle Hamilton becomes because the other guy that I would compare him to, at least coming out, was Isaiah Simmons in that if Isaiah Simmons was made to play free safety as opposed to play inside linebacker, I think we're talking about the same kind of player. Right, Hamilton has been allowed to play DB and safety for his entire career. Coming out of the Atlanta area to Notre Dame has done nothing but live up to his moniker as one of the most physical football players on that team. Right, To say nothing of gifted. Let that man return kicks. Let that man play both ways if that's what you need to do. But for the love of all things holy, let him play free safety so that we can see that magnificent athleticism. Okay, number 11 on this list. Garrett Wilson coming out of Ohio State. I'm comparing him to Justin Jefferson. It's not that he's as slept on as Justin Jefferson was because Justin Jefferson going off in the playoffs was a very big deal, right? It's that he's got that sort of talent. Now, Justin Jefferson's forever linked with Jalen Rager, or I should say Jalen Rager's forever linked with Justin Jefferson. So I'll be curious to see where Garrett Wilson falls in that line coming this April. But... He was the most talented wide receiver on the team to start the season. And then Jackson Smith and Jigba said, no, I'm him. And then, you know, to, his, to their credit, Garrett Wilson, and we'll talk about in a little bit, Chris Olave, both pointed at Jackson Smith and Jigba and said, yeah, he, it's him. But Garrett Wilson started as a five-star, and it is a five-star. I think that's a first-round draft pick, and I think we all win there on the evaluation. Number 12 on this list, Matt Corral who I am nicknaming the Rally Flag. So, I was not high on Matt Corral to start the season. I'm not terribly high on Matt Corral at the end of the season. I still remember throwing five interceptions against a bad LSU team and throwing six interceptions against an Arkansas team. However, of his 14 interceptions, those were 11 of them, right? It's those two games. If you put aside those two bad games in the NFL, they're going to evaluate your three best and your three worst. Those are two of his worst. You still got a really great quarterback, and you got a guy that is going to bring some moxie 
and some courage and some want to to your organization. Hence the rally flag. Everybody's going to be able to rally around him. He's going to be your standard bearer. He's going to be the face of your franchise, the CEO of your franchise. And you want him, especially after how he has comported himself in 2021, even wanting to play in that ball game, risking getting hurt, getting hurt, not regretting a thing. That's who you want to be your quarterback in the NFL. Number 13 on this list, George Karlaftis, the Greek freak in the NFL. Greek freak because, you know, my man is Greek. It's about the end of it. But coming out, five-star defensive end type, turned into that at the Boilermakers, who are mostly known here of late for their offensive prowess. George Karlaftis has the ability to be a dominant edge rusher, uh, an outstanding five technique. I'm excited to see what he looks like. Plus, coming out of Purdue is not easy. I mean, it's an engineering school, you know? Like, put it this way. My sister is married to a PhD in computer science. His PhD is from Purdue, and he's got one of these big government jobs that he ain't allowed to talk about. That's the kind of dudes that they turn it out intellectually at Purdue. That's the kind of dude that you're going to be drafting at George Karlaftis. He, he is that smart. He is that cool. And I'm excited to see how he looks in the NFL. Okay, number 14 on this list. Alabama wide receiver John Mechie. Okay, so... I missed over the weekend because I was too, I think, sidetracked by Slade Bolton announcing that he was going to be in the NFL draft. I'm like, child, why? You know, take that extra year. You are not these other two. You're not John Mechie or Jameson Williams. But John Mechie has great ability, and I'm comparing him to Tulsa's own Tyler Lockett. He can catch a bunch of passes for you. He can return kicks. That's what you want to do. He's going to be both a down the field threat and over the middle threat. If you want to line him up in the slot, you can do that. If you want to put him on the numbers, you can do that as well. I would add here, while Jamison Williams was the most talented wide receiver this year, the guy with the most catches, John Mechie. So if you're looking for a Cooper Cup type, that's your guy. Okay, next on this list, number 15, Malik Willis. I'm comparing Malik Willis to Kyler Murray light because of what he's able to do with his feet and because he also has a cannon for an arm. He can throw off balance and still flip that thing 70 yards. He fell into an offense that he knew how to run and was trusted to run at Liberty. The problem I have is that Malik Willis lost the starting job to Jarrett Stidham at Auburn. Say that again, Jarrett Stidham. You saw Jarrett Stidham in 2020. You don't want Jarrett Stidham to be your starting quarterback. I'm saying Malik Willis is more talented, but there was a reason why he lost that job even as Gus Malzahn was still, you know, running an offense that mostly wanted to throw goes and post. We'll see how the NFL projects him, but he's going to get the same kind of conversation I think that Trey Lance got. Jury's still out on Trey Lance, but I think if you need a quarterback, take a swing. You might end up with Pat Mahomes. Who knows? Okay, number 16 on the list, uh, Kenny Pickett. It's got Dan Marino shine. I've talked about Kenny a bunch. I will can talk about Kenny a bunch. We don't need to do here do it here. Number 17 on this list now. Utah's own linebacker Devin Lloyd. Okay? Devin Lloyd, for me, is the modern Mike. Okay? It is a dude that knows how to play in a run-pass conflict on every down. For some people, he's the number one linebacker available. In this 2022 draft, I still think that's N'Kobe Dean, but, you know, Lloyd is right there. And the only time I saw this man 
get something like exposed as in the Rose Bowl when Jackson Smith and Jigba is running over the middle and there's not much you can do about that as a linebacker. Like, you, you do the best you can. And that dude's just going to outrun you because you're a linebacker and you don't do that kind of stuff. But stopping the run, making sure the call is right, getting the defensive line lined up, and then more or less making anything in front of you risk serious injury <laughs> is what Devin Lloyd was able to do. I enjoyed watching him at Utah. Uh, getting to know him was a lot of fun too. I expect him to be a franchise linebacker for somebody. Number 18 on this list, Chris Olave, Ohio State wide receiver, the most polished of the Ohio State wide receivers. The story is Ryan Day and them went to go scout Jack Tuttle. We're told about Chris Olave, ended up offering Chris Olave. Chris Olave shows up a three-star recruit, vaults to the front of the line as number one on the depth chart. Now, the thing that I would remind you is that they showed up looking for Jack Tuttle, not looking for Chris Olave. And usually the most talented players in football are not guys that you just kind of fall into. Ohio State done it not once but twice. First with Chris Olave and then with CJ Stroud. Sometimes it's luck, sometimes it's evaluation, but I I the reason that I'm not on, as high on him as I am Williams, Mechie, or even Wilson is for those reasons, right? The ceiling is a little bit lower to the ground for him than it is for others. But, you know, you can do a lot as a polished receiver. Look at Cooper Cup. That dude ain't especially fast. He just catches everything they throw at him. And he's a great right runner. Who knew? Okay, number 19 on this list. Florida cornerback Kyir Elam. I think this is the next C.J. Henderson coming out of Florida. I liked Kyir last year. Florida wasn't very good this year, especially toward the latter part of the year. But I think if they were, we'd be talking more about Kair and how good he is as a cover corner. I thought he was a better defensive back than Marco Wilson, and Marco Wilson got drafted. So, like, you know, I think he's in this mix to be a first-round pick, and I'll be happy, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to take a chance missing on that because I think he's that great. Number 20, DeMarvin Leal coming out of Texas A&M. This is a guy that I was high on, made my first round projected to start the season, and he finished that way. On a pretty doggone good Texas A&M team, I think he's a Chris Jones lookalike, that Chris Jones that plays for Kansas City. If you can get that kind of production out of him, this is a steal for you because you usually can't draft all pros in the first round. Sometimes you do, but not usually. Every, every once in a while, you end up with like an EJ Manuel. So number 21 on this list, Michigan defensive end David Ajabo. Really enjoy Ajabo. Tamba Ali with more upside for me. Favorite story about David Ajabo is the one that he told about needing to walk up to Aiden Hutchinson to ask why did the offense spike the football. For me, that demonstrates how much growth he can do in this sport. Uh, and having that kind of terror coming off the edge that still has that kind of upside is intoxicating to me. If I am a general manager, if I'm a scout, if I'm a developer of talent, yeah. I'm going to go and use a first-round pick on that guy. For the same reason I think the Los Angeles Chargers use a first-round pick on Kenneth Murray Jr. You see a guy that, that's, that is that fast and that big, you're going to go draft him and hope you can teach him football. And that's basically what they had done, making Kenneth Murray Jr. the first Oklahoma defense player drafted in the first round in 10 years. And he's their starting middle linebacker for most of the year. I think that Ajabo can do that for another team. Okay, number 22 on this list. Jordan Davis. One of my favorite players of college football all of last year. A quite literal mountain of a man. 
The cop here for me is Vince Wilfork. You know, uh, won the Chuck Baird, uh, Chuck Bednarik, Chuck Bednarik Award. Goodness me, for best defense player in football. He allowed Georgia to be Georgia, as far as I'm concerned. Now, Jalen Carter also allowed them to be Georgia. But when you can occupy double teams, you free up your linebackers to go make plays. Because Georgia was living off of simulated pressure, this was big. That means you didn't know if they were sending Dean, if they were sending Tyndall, if they were sending either Walker, Trayvon, or Quay, or even, you know, at times, a safety. He allows you to do that sort of stuff because he was able to be that big, that strong, and that fast, quite frankly, quick at 350 pounds, right? Six foot six. He's going to have a good time in the NFL because there just aren't that many dudes like him that can do what he does. Like, uh, I'm thinking of thinking of Hicks at, uh, for the Cardinals. I'm thinking of, my goodness, at Baylor, uh, Sakai Ika. Man, yeah, you keep going here. I think he's going to have a great career. Number 23 on this list. Cincinnati cornerback. Ahmad Gardner, sauce, A1 sweet feet to the uninitiated. I think the comp here is Byron Murphy. I think this is a dude that is long, rangy, and can provide that number one corner that you need. The stat going on around him is like, didn't allow a TD and whatnot, and I'm going, I can't trust that one as much because DeAndre Baker won the Thorpe Award. He didn't allow a TD for like three years, and then, you know, he ain't been that great in the, in the NFL. I prefer to look at what Ahmad Gardner did against Alabama. And between he and Kobe Bryant, by the way, uh, who was the Thorpe Award winner, it is a no-fly zone. Like, when they hit their big play, Alabama, Bryce Young to Ja'Cory Brooks for a 44-yard TD, it was over the top of the number three corner. It wasn't over the top of Bryant or Gardner. They just chose not to test him. And basically, he kept Jamison Williams in check for most of the game. Go draft that guy. Number 24 on this list, Kenyon Green. I think the comp here, Dallas Cowboys guard, Zach Martin. I don't think that's much of a stretch. Green was outstanding at AM, and I expect him to be outstanding in the NFL. Number 25 on this list, going back to USC with Drake London. Okay? Before his injury, probably wins the Bolitnikoff Award. He was that good. This is a guy that started out basically playing the Y, the tight end. And when I talked to Clay Helton last spring, I asked him to compare, you know, Drake London to somebody else because they were going to move him outside. They were going to move him outside the numbers, let him play some wide receiver. He says, I think this is a Mike Evans type. And I was like, yo, because Mike Evans could just as easily, with a little bit more bulk, be a tight end for you, right? Now, Tampa Bay doesn't have that problem because they got O.J. Howard, they got Cam Bate, and they got Gronk. But that's the kind of player Drake London can be. He can be that Mike Evans type. Number 26 on this list, Penn State wide receiver Jahan Dotson. It's a loaded wide receiver draft, just like last year and the year before that. I think the comp here, though, is Antonio Brown. I'm talking about on the football field, for those of y'all that want to get funny. Because Jahan was catching everything that was thrown his way. And most of the time, he was the only dude making catches for Penn State. But he would take the top off the defense. He could work in the middle of the field. If you're looking for a high-volume guy to be in the slot or even on the outside, a guy that you know can be your number one I think Jahan Dotson is that dude, bet on himself, and had an outstanding season this year. I mean, look at this. Gets both feet in here. No, just the one foot. All right. Looked like he got both feet in on that. But I had a lot of fun watching him play in the Big Ten this season. I think that with the right quarterback, it could be a match made in heaven. He's got great run after the catch speed. I'm excited to see Jahan Dotson in the NFL. 
All right, number 27 on this list. Cincinnati quarterback Desmond Ritter. I've said my piece about Desmond Ritter, but I think his ceiling, if you're betting on Ritter, is Justin Herbert. Same size, same sort of build. Just hasn't shown that he's the kind of passer that Justin Herbert is, right? You're going to need to develop that. But I think, again, this is for the folks that want to believe in Desmond Ritter. Josh Allen wasn't very good his first year at Buffalo. So much so that that man not only airmail passes, it looked like he was trying to throw them outside the stadium into the apartment complexes. He just didn't know what he was doing. He was just a newborn baby deer out there. Settled down in year two, became an outstanding football player. This season, Josh Allen is the guy for which, if it's all working, you're cooked. You're done. Like, there's really, there's four quarterbacks in the NFL right now that I feel confident saying that about. When they're all, when it's all working, you're cooked. One of them is the GOAT, Tom Brady. The other one is goat light or GOAT-like, you know, kind of like rogue-like. Some of y'all play, be playing video games too. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, and that rogue-like has... Several meanings there. The other one is Pat Mahomes, right? Michael Jordan in the league, former MVP. And then I think it's Josh Allen at this point, man, because that dude's so big and he's so fast and his arm is so talented that if he gets out of his own way, everybody's through. Maybe that's what you have in the tools of Desmond Ritter. If that's what you end up getting, I will eat crow, right? I just don't see it, but I think that it's worth the reach, right? And I think somebody is going to make that reach because that's what we do in, with quarterbacks, because they're so pivotal and, quite frankly, important to what you're trying to do in the NFL, let alone any other sport. Number 28 on this list, George Pickens, who basically since his freshman year I've been all in on. I think the comp here is DeAndre Hopkins. If you throw the ball in the vicinity, George is coming down with it. We saw this. <laughs> we saw this. <laughs> we, we saw this in the Orange Bowl. We saw it again. In an ass championship. And the man didn't play but like three games in all of 2021. But also could show he could be a high volume target too. In the 2020 Sugar Bowl, he caught 12 passes, right? For like 179 yards or something like that. It's like two TDs. It was stupid what he was doing out there because he was really the only receiving threat that they were displaying at the time because Kirby Smart wants to play murder ball. He wants to run the ball, play defense. And when he had to, threw it up to George Pickens who said, I got it. No worries. I'll go over the top of anybody's head. You need me to go over the top of And that's what you want in a DeAndre Hopkins type. I think George Pickens is going to be phenomenal in this league. And the first thing people are going to talk about is A.J. Green because A.J. Green comes out of Georgia. But I think you're going to see what I'm talking about when you get to see George Pickens and the way that you saw it with C.D. Lamb. Saw it with DeAndre Hopkins. Number 29 on this list, another Georgia Bulldog. Darian Kendrick, right? Corner. Turned out to be this season who I thought Derek Stingley Jr. would be this season. Particularly in the in the bowl games, right? Had two picks in the game against Michigan and was their number one corner at Georgia. This is a dude that I didn't even know was going to be playing college football, quite frankly, after the trouble that he got in in the offseason. Need to go into the transfer portal, leaving Clemson, came out of Georgia, turned out to be all right, right? And then turned into, oh, man, this might be, CB1 coming off the board. He's got that sort of upside, and he's shown that sort of polish. Number 30 on this list, Iowa State running back Brees Hall. One of the best tailbacks of the last 10 years. I think the comp here is Jonathan Taylor. He was that productive, and he was that slept on. Like, Jonathan Taylor, 
Averaged 2,000 yards rushing for three years. Nobody talked about Jonathan Taylor being one of the best tailbacks in college football. Or one of the best players in college football, right? I feel like that same sort of slept on is Brees Hall. Never finished as a top five Heisman finalist, though he was a unanimous All-American at tailback in 2020. And in 2021, also was the offense for Iowa State. If, if you run that zone scheme like they do at L.A., the, well, shit, LA at the Rams, right? Because we got two LA franchises. I think he's your bell cow back, right? And I, I think I'm right in saying this. While the comp might be Jonathan Taylor, because that's the dude that y'all have seen here recently, watch Brees Hall end up being much more like Steven Jackson. Okay? It's going to be that much fun, all right? Number 31 on this list David Bell coming out of Purdue. So David Bell was the dude that nobody talked about when Rondell was doing what Rondell was doing. And then Rondell went to the NFL and David Bell become the, became the number one and played like one. Like David Bell could have just as easily won the Bolitnikoff Award this season because of what he meant to Purdue football, even as they were playing musical chairs at quarterback. I think the comp here is Adam Thielen at the Minnesota Vikings. Another polished receiver, another dude you can count on most years because Adam didn't have the greatest year this year, though he was really good to catch the football, to keep you out of third and long situations, or to trust on third in third and long situations. I really like watching him play at Purdue, and I'm excited to see what kind of a player he turns into a proud son of West Lafayette. And finally, number 32 on this list, Oklahoma defensive tackle Perion Winfrey. He's awesome. I really like watching him play in the interior one of the few junior college transfers at defensive tackle that lived up to the billing. Any of y'all remember Quincy Russell? Know what I'm talking about. But this dude was always running people down, constantly trucking people, and was not afraid. Ooh, look at that. Brock Purdy. I'm sorry about you, dog. I think Perry on Winfrey could be what Jerry Tillery is, right? Jerry Tillery at the LA Chargers. He's got that kind of frame. He's got that kind of motor. He wants it. He wanted to wear the Ocho. I hope he wears a single digit in the NFL because it's always fun when I get to see defensive linemen wear single digits. He's just a handful. And I think if you're looking for a three technique, you're looking for a uh, dude to be your dude in your four-man front, that is the guy to go get. Have fun with Perrion Winfrey in the NFL offensive lineman. Okay. That is our show for today. Uh, our lead producer is Catherine Donnelly. Our director is Chris Cheshire. Tyler Wojak helps with all things associated with this show. My man, Javion Duncan, is our social media manager. Rachel Cohn is our lead of screening. And I'm the host, RJ Young. One last thing. We're going to be off next week, so there is no number one ranked show for next week. We're going to take a little bit of a break. You deserve it. All right, that's it for me. Deuces.